Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join Jill and Tom as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, do me a favor. Check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our 2023 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you or a loved one is shopping for a new car or a truck, and you can stream back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage, though you should just subscribe. That's easier. Just subscribe and then listen and then like and then review. Do that stuff. That would help us out a lot. All right. She's on the road again. She's never here in the studio. She is the managing <laughs> editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. She's a North American Car of the Year juror, and her freelance work can be found where? Everywhere. Everywhere. She's on the road. We just said that. Hello, Jill Simonello. How are you? Good. How are you? I am distracted by the shower behind you. Um <laughs> I am I'm in the weirdest hotel room I think that um, I have ever been in, and, and Tom and I are Zooming right now, so he can actually see my background, and um, the, the, the shower is essentially in the bedroom. Who is using the shower right now? Uh, nobody. Nobody oh. is using the shower right, right now. All right. My eyes aren't too good. That I is... know. I would not want to share this room, probably even with my husband. That would just creep me out. The... Um... <laughs> The uh, the lighting is weird too. It's like it's there's like nice lighting in the shower, and you're like in a on a tool shed. Yeah, well, and the the ceiling is cement. That's nice. Um, so like I just feel like I'm in black and white, and every like everything in the bathroom is like in color. It's very weird. I'm, I'm sure that's a very nice room, but from here, you know what it looks like. It looks what does like, it look like? It looks like it's humid. Um, no, this is in Arizona, so this, yeah. is, this is not going to be humid. Bare concrete inside, like an unfinished building, looks humid to me. Okay. All right, we're way off track already. We we are totally off track, but I can tell you that the reason why I'm in this hotel room oh. is because I'm going to be driving the Ionic 6 um, this week. Tomorrow, I'm driving the Ionic 6 tomorrow, and um, I'm covering it for you. Oh, well, thank you. You could have told me that in an email. Um, <laughs> no, um, um, the Ionic 6, I want to talk about that vehicle anyway. And I know you don't know anything about it yet in terms of drive impressions, and you couldn't mm-hmm. share them right away anyway. But uh, I am, I'm, stun- I'm stunned that people are sort of divided on the styling of this vehicle because I think it's really fabulous looking. It's different. And I think that's – it's just polarizing and – why? Why? It's just good looking. I don't understand the it, polarization. It, so the, the the pixels are a little bit interesting, which we saw on the Ionic Five. But I think it's just the overall side profile of the vehicle is just not something that we've seen before, and it looks it looks different. Do you and remember, so different is hard. Yeah, I guess. Do you remember the Porsche nine twenty eight? No, I mean, no. Okay, groundbreaking car from the late 70s, early 80s. It was the first V8 Porsche. It was the first water-cooled Porsche. And it was kind of a GT, right? The 911 was the sports car. And the 928 was the pricier Grand Touring vehicle. And and it had this wonderful reputation for being a delightful high-speed uh, Grand Touring highway kind of car. Anyway, that was a beautiful car. And this looks like a four-door version of that to me. 
uh, which which is. I don't know. It, it looks fantastic. I don't know why people are weirded out by it. But the one of the big things about the styling is the aerodynamics, right? This is this vehicle is yeah. known. Do we know range numbers yet, like final ones? But the, but the the battery range is really good. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. But I feel like the the Ionic Five is like three hundred three hundred and twenty miles. So I, it's built on the same platform. I would have to imagine it's similar. Um, but we, you know, we have the press briefings tomorrow, so um, I haven't looked at the press materials yet for it. And um, so, yeah, because I've been traveling so much, I'm probably a little bit behind. But uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I can't, I can't wait to drive it tomorrow. I, I think it looks cool, but it looks different, and it doesn't look anything like the Ionic Five. Yeah. And I think that also throws people. I don't have a sense of its size. It looks mid-sized, but maybe it's smaller. Mid-size is probably correct. Like a Camry Accord sized? Yeah. Yeah, I okay. think so. I mean, I'll I'll try and get a better sense of it tomorrow Um see if I can, like, take any pictures All of right. it next to a Camry or an Accord so and, and show size proportions. Will you, will you be able to share drive impressions next week? Oh, you're not on next week. No, I'm not on next week. Okay. I'm going to be traveling again. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know. I swear I will be home in April and yeah. I will be in studio in April. You know where I'm going today? Uh, where are you going? Palatine. Oh, where where you are right now? <laughs> yeah. You are going nowhere, I guess. Uh, I haven't been anywhere in a long time. Jill, I sent you something. Uh, you did. I did. Uh, this this is published every month in in um, Automotive News, which is a wonderful summary of everything going on in the auto world. Great newspaper. It's a great publication. But mm-hmm. every month they share these numbers. Now these numbers are a little less valuable than they used to be because Stellantis and General Motors, for example, don't share these numbers on a monthly basis. But these are the mm-hmm. inventory numbers. Now we've been hearing for a long time about how hard it is to get new cars. Right, makers have having a hard time building things, are having a hard time keeping up with demand, and this is largely because of the microchip shortage. Though there have been other shortages as well. So when we talk about day supplies in the U.S., we usually talk about sixty-five days as being normal, yeah. and that's about three million vehicles on the ground at dealerships, either in the pipeline or in inventory at a dealership, something like that. Sixty-five days. We've been way below that, right, for a long time. But it's yeah. interesting to look at these numbers. Uh, shared this month, this week, by Automotive News, and to see that there are a couple of vehicles out there that you can get. Now, now let's let's go to the bad news first. Subaru. <laughs> You've heard of Subaru. They make cars. Subaru? No, yeah. Yes, I have. I, we talked about the Crosstrek last week. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. They're, they're down to mostly single-digit day supply of vehicles. They don't break down the models. They just talk about their import and domestic stuff here. But they have an 11-day supply of vehicles and 65 should be more or less normal. So if you want a particular Subaru, uh, you're going to have a long wait. You might want to go to a dealer, get in line, and you're going to have to wait, or you can just take whatever they have because they're not getting another one soon. <laughs> so we've been hearing a lot too about Honda. Honda is now up to a 30-day supply. That's closer to normal for them, but still really short. Uh, and don't have Toyota here, but here's a couple of interesting things. If, for example, if, for example, and, and Jill, maybe you like this car, the the mm-hmm. uh, the Volvo S ninety, mm-hmm. right? Really, Which I do like it. Yeah, big sedan, big wagon, likable car. Mm-hmm. There is a seventy five day supply of those bad boys. Ah. So if you want one, 
they're there, probably in the color you want and the trim level you want. Yeah, every every flavor you want uh, is is probably probably available. Um, no, I you know what I think Volvo is one of the more underrated automakers out there um, because it is. Um, it, it, they, they just don't get the credit that they deserve. And I don't know why. I think that they drive well. They have plenty of power. I like the way they look. They used to be funny looking, but they're not really anymore. And the technology is good. I like the Google Assistant, uh, software they've been programming into vehicles these days. I do. I I'm do. undecided. I, I like it. I mean, I, for people I'm who don't know, it's like using Google. It's, yeah, it is. It's very weird. It, it's literally like using. No, I haven't voice, voice commanded that. Have you? Yeah. Okay, and that works. It good? works pretty well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like voice commands, so. Well, but you know that's the way everything is moving because yes, is. of. Um, I'm not excusing I mean, myself. So many big screens <laughs> going on. You know, they want people to use voice commands, so you're not taking your eyes off the road and trying to touch things. Yeah, Volvo, to your point, Volvo went through an awkward transition, right? They used to be boxy and they were known for safety. And for a long time, they were, they were turbo pioneers too. They were, they were mm-hmm. like Saab, uh, yeah. and Volvo. I mean, they were available with turbos and they were good turbos. And back in the eighties, when cars, you know, almost universally sucked, Volvos and Saabs <laughs> were quick and, right. they were, and they were fun to drive and they were, they were nice handling. And, and for European vehicles, both those marks too were relatively affordable. But the transition Volvo went through is weird because now Volvos are not weird looking. They're great looking. <laughs> Yes. And, and they're priced almost parity with like BMW, Audi, and Mercedes. So they're, they're in a different place than they used to be. And mm-hmm. as, as for them not getting credit for that stuff, I, I don't know. Is that is, do, you, do you feel that's the case, that, that they're underrated? I, I do feel like they're underrated. Um, and, and, I mean, then you also have the fact that people just aren't buying sedans anymore. Well, no, that's that's a huge problem, right? The S62, according to this, there's a bunch of those on the road, too. No one wants the sedans. At at Lexus, for example, the only cars that Lexus sells, those, if you want a, if you want a car, you can get a Lexus. If you want a, if you want a crossover, you're probably in a little trouble. Yeah. All right. Also on this list, I just wanted to mention these real quick because this one surprised me. The Ford Bronco Sport. I'd oh. kind of gotten, I'd kind of gotten the sense that that vehicle was really hard to get, but the Bronco is. Right, right, the big Wrangler-sized vehicle, yeah, yeah. hard to get. But the Bronco Sport, which is more Escape-sized, there's a lot of those. There's almost a 60-day supply of those. And then the Escape itself, which used to be a super hot-selling vehicle, 65 65-day uh, supply of those, which is about normal. Well, and so the the Escape is going to be, I, I think it's 2023. It's new for the 2023 model year. Not all new, but refreshed. Yeah. So they've got some refreshed styling on the front end. They've got... Um, I feel like some updated technology on the interior. Um, I think they've put in the um, Ford like infotainment system and the, you know, it has some new things on the inside. I, I, I saw it probably a couple months ago. It actually was October when I think about it a few months ago. Um, I saw it in Detroit. And, and so I wonder if, if there's some transition um, change that's going on. So like people are waiting for the newer models Maybe to hit dealerships. I don't, I don't know if that has, if the, if they've, um, hit dealers yet. So I think like there could be, you know, the old, a backlog maybe of old models. I, I don't know because the escape is a great car. It is. Um, Larry, or I guess I should say SUV. Our friend Larry Newton, who hasn't joined us on the reboot of the podcast yet, but I guess he's scheduled to at some point. Um, he has argued, he's argued up and down that the, the escape is not a crossover, that it's, it's simply okay. a car. It's just a high roof car. 
Well, but, you know, I mean, you can argue that most small crossovers or SUVs are actually cars because, yeah. frankly, the compact, subcompact and, um, you know, small SUV segment is was created to replace sedans. Yeah, and they are. Yeah. To, to your point, we go further down this list, if you like, the Acura okay. TLX. Great okay. car, right? Yes. Great car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 82-day supply. So if you want a nice luxury <laughs> compact sedan, there's your car. Mid-size. You, I guess that's mid-size. Yeah. It's about a quart size, right? Car, car. So if you want a car, you can go buy it. If <laughs> yeah. you want an SUV, uh, unless you're going to buy a Bronco Sport or a Ford Escape, and speaking of cars, and we've got Sam coming up in a minute, but Sam reminded me a couple of weeks ago, the Chevy Malibu still being built. Yeah, still still exists. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and it's funny because I have a friend who lives in St. Louis, and um, she comes from a General Motors family. Oh. And so um, when um, her, her father used to work for General Motors. X-Plan, right? They got so, X-Plan? Um, so she can still get the family discount. Yep. And so and she loves the Malibu, and she asked me last year, like last year she was like so she's like does the malibu she's like what about the malibu and i was like i don't think it exists anymore (laughs) but yep it's still there uh but i'm like i wouldn't buy it but yep it's still there i've been sure for each of the past three model years that the malibu had been discontinued (laughs) yep no i well you know what i feel like so what we you know and we need to revisit this we created um a kill list Oh um, yeah, that we the, the thought Deadpool. were going to die. The Deadpool. So yeah. we we need to go back. Before we rebooted it, um, we we created a, 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 a Deadpool. Yeah, and I think we need to go back to uh, your selections and my selections and see um, how accurate we were. And I think we need to come up with a new Deadpool. I will share. I did an article about our Deadpool. So I will okay. share that this week, uh, and, and we can share that. But we need to revisit that. So you won't be on with us next week. We'll talk about the Deadpool no. in two weeks. Okay. Remember Deadpool that. And, um, and we can talk about the Genesis GV70. We can talk about the Hummer um, EV SUV. Yes. We can talk about the Ionic 6. We can talk about the Mazda uh, CX-90. And we can talk about the Toyota Prius. Well, maybe not the Toyota Prius, Prius Prime okay. just yet. But now, we've now got a lot of stuff we can talk about. Now you're just getting I've ambitious. I've been traveling a lot. Also, uh, will you be in studio? Um. When I um back in April, I will be in the studio. Okay, because yes. I need to bring in uh, donuts and haridos. Yeah, and apparently I have um <laughs> I have a pecan brittle for you. Uh, oh. Last week I was in Atlanta, and you, I was telling you that you, you know, I had all of these weird things, and you're like pecan brittle. I want pecan brittle. Yeah, I'm I probably even saying it not right. I didn't know. So I, I I actually took that from Atlanta to Asheville back to Chicago. So legal? I have kept that for you. I, I don't know. Oh. Um, I don't know. So shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anybody I did that. I smuggled it into Illinois. Oh, man. All right. All right. So when you're in studio, donuts, Haritos, and the 95 cars you just mentioned. And and the pecan brittle. And the pe- oh, and by the way, I still have Beyond Beef jerky for you from like oh. last summer. Oh. <laughs> I keep forgetting to bring it in. I need to like create a Tom bag and just bring it in. Jerky is so pressed, desiccated, dry, and salty that there's no way anyone knows if it's meat or not. There's exactly. Just, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. A little bit like hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Hot dog. No one knows a fake hot dog from a real hot v- dog. Vegan hot dogs, totally fine. Yeah. All right. You know what we should do? Uh, I, what, what should we do? We should take a break. When we come back, we talk to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Stick around. 
questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. I am Tom Appel. I'm here with Jill Seminillo, and this is the Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for sticking around today. Hey, Jill. Yeah? Jill, this is the part of the show when I ask people nicely to follow me on Twitter. I don't know. I think you're kind of mean about it. Uh, you demand that people follow you on Twitter. I'm insistent. I'm insistent. Persistent. You're persistently insistent. Yeah. All right. I am Car okay. Guy Tom. Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain. Great pictures up there this week. I found some great car potter, or car spotter stuff. And I did something you wouldn't expect me to do. Uh, uh, I took pictures of the Lexus LX600 in front of the local Masonic Temple for no good reason whatsoever. There's so much I could say to that. I'm just not. I, I, so since you said you took pictures of it, I have to say, how do you feel about the grill? Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. I don't care anymore. <laughs> The Lexus. So you like the Ionic Six and the way it looks, yeah. but you don't care about the grill for the the Lexus LX Six Hundred. Got now, it. I don't want to go too deep in this conversation right now, and I think we've had it before. Certainly, you and I have at least offline, and certainly with Damon, who's very much into design. But way back when Lexus went ridiculous with the grills, the spindle grill, as it's often known, yeah, um, a Lexus designer was was fam famously said that. We're now in the conversation. He didn't care if people liked it or hated it. And a lot of people hated it. People were talking about it. And before that, Lexus design was pretty ambiguous. Boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like boring. Now it's incredibly aggressive. And no car is, is as aggressive or as dynamically entertaining as Lexus vehicles look. <laughs> yeah. And I have so much to say about this vehicle, so I can't wait until we get into a review of it. Yeah, I'm driving that right now, the LX600 F-Sport. And, and this is one of the first F-Sport vehicles I've driven that the F part is actually sporty. Usually they're incredibly, they're incredibly disappointing in terms of sportiness. Well, the, the, it's more of a design package than a sport yeah, package yeah. is what that is. Yeah. All right. Uh, did I mention that I'm on Twitter? Um, a couple times, okay. actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. He is the single most quoted expert in the auto industry. He is vice president of global vehicle forecasting at Auto Forecast Solutions. Sam Fiorani, welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. Hey, Sam. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Doing very well. I, I got to apologize for my computer because it keeps deciding which microphone to use. So. Oh, so you have multiple microphone options? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. It, oh. it, it, it decides on its own that it's going to go back and forth. So hopefully we'll hold up for the whole interview here. Now, I don't know if you heard us earlier in the show, but Jill is in a shower. <laughs> oh, that's good. Not not quite in a shower, but right sitting right next to a shower, which happens to be in the bedroom. <laughs> the acoustics are better there. Yeah. Apparently, apparently. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I have a cement ceiling. Oh. 
Yeah, so this is why we need to go live with this and probably do like Facebook Live or some, something so people can see this stuff. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. yeah we, we should be recording this and this should be I, I've said this over and over again. We should record like not only like the conversation, but what happens between like during the commercial breaks. We should be recording it. And we should be posting it to the like after hours or after dark. The reason we can't do that is because when I select the podcast on Buzzsprout, that's where that's the show's hosted. I have to select not explicit language. It's like a thing I have to check. Well, so, okay, you put one thing to Buzzsprout, we'll put something else to All right, too. all right. <laughs> Sam, how are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, the, the explicit language is a good thing because my mom listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, for folks, for folks who don't know, remind us about Auto Forecast Solutions and what you do there. Yeah, we, we provide information for the auto industry. We do forecasts. We do sales forecasts and production forecasts around the world and uh, provide information on what's coming, and uh, uh, where the industries are going. So th when uh, suppliers or manufacturers need to know what's going on with their competition, we're the one they call. And and are you being kept busy by the fact that there are 9,000 new battery plants being built in the U.S.? <laughs> oh, our, our team is always busy trying to find out where the next battery plant is, where the next assembly plant is, what, what plants are going up and down, and where the new products are coming from. You know, I, I didn't even send this to you in my notes, and I'm sorry I'm dropping this bomb on you, but I'm going to ask because it just popped into my mind. But, but would you say that the Inflation Reduction Act is, in fact, stirring a bunch of battery plant production? It, it, it's definitely... Uh, introducing the, the conversation to everybody. And uh, if you want to build a car, if you if you planned on building an electric vehicle for the American market, building it in North America was always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this just increased it because uh, it, because you get more money for selling the vehicles. Uh, we've said for a long time that the, the money that they put on these cars from the government doesn't go to the end user, right. although it seems to. It actually goes to the manufacturer. So the manufacturers make another $7,000 if they can build it in North America. And what you're saying is basically because they can raise the price of the vehicle to offset the, the, the incentive, right? Absolutely. When, yeah. when they took those incentives off of other cars, you saw the prices drop by almost exactly that amount of money. Interesting. So what's going on with the Chevrolet Bolt? Now, that qualifies for hmm. pretty much all of the incentive at the moment, right? Will it still qualify after they finalize that list? Well, the bolt's going out of production relatively soon, oh. so uh, so whatever they can get out of it, they'll get out of it. But it, in the next year or so, it's it's going out of production. And bolt's going out of production largely because the the Equinox is coming online, right? We've got the Equinox, we've got the Blazer, we've got uh, all kinds of new models from General Motors coming in. Uh, there are a couple of Buick models and a couple of unnamed models that are also coming, but. but General Motors is loaded up with the EVs over the next five years. You said a couple of Buick models. Uh, I know about the, what is it, the Electra E5? Is that one of them? What's What else is coming? Well, we have a, I believe there's an E4, or an Electra, Electra E4, an Electra E5. Uh, they're mostly uh, centered on China, uh -huh. but uh, we, we do expect to get a few here. Okay. So, Sam, I'd sent you a list of stuff I wanted to talk about, and this is a total non sequitur, and Jill's used to me just changing subjects <laughs> randomly. Because you are so good at transitions. But I've been looking, right, right, I'm, and, and managing the clock. Uh, and managing the clock. What time is it? <laughs> I have no idea. It's one twenty-four where I'm at, so I don't know what time it is, where it is, where you're at. My watch has very small numbers on it. 
Okay. <laughs> we, need, we need to fix that or get you glasses. But Sam, I wanted to talk to you about something because <laughs> I've been dying to ask this question of somebody, and, and you're the guy that I think would know this. In, in the industry right now, and I don't think consumers are aware of this because it's not that transparent, but dealerships, which used to be mom and pop operations going back in the U.S., you know, to the dawn of the industry, are being gobbled up by very large corporations like AutoNation and CarMax and things like that. And And one of the things I wanted to ask you about this is if you have a big dealer network of cars, a, a, a company that owns 250, 300 dealers, does this serve the consumer or the manufacturer better? And part of my question ultimately has to do with manufacturers trying to get dealers to comply with things like like, um, like infrastructure and, and design and, and inventory control and pricing. Uh, it, it would seem to me that like if GM had one company to go to for most of its network, it would be easier for them to get stuff done. Or more difficult if they, if they decided they didn't want to follow oh. the lead of, of the manufacturer. They, sure. they control such a block that it could, it could do that. But uh, it, it doesn't help the consumer by having all this control under a relatively small group of, man, of dealers. It's lack of competition is not good for consumers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not necessarily better for the manufacturer. But it is definitely good for the dealer groups because they can consolidate all their costs, uh, the F&I, uh, the uh, inventory, all the things that, that they need to spend money on. Then it, it's, it's much better for a larger group than for, for a mom and pop group. If you own one or two dealerships, it's going to cost you a lot more than if you own 100 across three states. What about like the electrification thing right now? Famously, Cadillac chased a bunch of dealers out of its network because they didn't want to pay the money to go electric, and Ford is now squabbling with its Ford and Mercury dealer. Or, I'm sorry, Mercury Lincoln dealers. <laughs> what well, Jill doesn't remember Mercury? That she was too young. I remember Mercury. They were still around when I first started writing about cars. <laughs> but in terms of electrification, does this does this matter? It matters because they'll be more likely to follow the the manufacturer's design that that they want to add electric uh, chargers to their their dealerships. Um, I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and they had a a Hyundai representative and a Toyota representative and a dealer representative from each of those groups, relatively large dealer groups. And uh, the one dealer group said that they were chased out of a Buick franchise because they didn't want to spend the million dollars to to upgrade for electricity. But he addressed the two representatives from the manufacturer and said, you know, it's going to cost you money to get these dealers who don't want to come along to get out. And my first thought was, no, it won't, because they don't want to chase their dealers out. It's it's only the Buicks and the Chevrolets and the GMCs that want to see these dealers go away. And Toyota and Hyundai have have the number of dealers they want. So everybody's going to come along. Interesting, yeah. And I don't think people remember that, but it wasn't that long ago. Was it the 80s or 90s? General Motors had something like 20,000 dealers, or was it 10,000 dealers? But way, way, way more than they needed. Oh, they've always had more than they've needed, just because each of the manuf- each of the brands competes against each other. And that's not the way a company should do, is work, work against itself. But uh, they have consolidated so that you know uh, Chevrolet dealers stand alone, but Buick and GMC dealers are now combined. Yeah, I remember when Pontiac GMC was a popular dealer network. You see a lot of those in rural places. Yes, yeah, they, growing up in a rural place, that's that's exactly how it was in our town. It was uh, Chevrolet Oldsmobile Cadillac for one and Buick GMC Pontiac for the other. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah I was going to say it was the, the trio GMC Pontiac Buick. You saw that too, Jill? Yeah, which was, I thought that was a weird kind of grouping because Pontiac to me was more of a 
performance brand, whereas you had GMC and Buick, which were quote unquote on the luxury side. So yeah. I like I thought it was weird that they put Pontiac in with that. Well, sometimes they're not there to to chase the same customer, but three different customers. You know, they're just hitting a broader market. But um, I remember we're going to school in DeKalb, Illinois in the 80s, and there were just crazy dealer groups. And for some reason, because this was a school town, right? This is northern Illinois. There was a Volvo dealer right in the middle of town. <laughs> and and that's, yeah, back, that's back when, you know, the, the professors bought Volvos. <laughs> the small town that I grew up in, we had we had the domestics and we had a Subaru dealer, and that was it. So I, I have a conspiracy theory for you, Sam, and I want to run it past you. <laughs> I'm all about the conspiracy. Let's go. Okay, so we've got the big dealer groups, right? CarMax, Allied, um, Lithia. And, and I'm wondering if at this point they're making it easier for manufacturers to at some point just buy all the dealers. Like it would be super easy if, if what does uh, AutoNation have, 300 dealers, something like that, that General Motors could just buy AutoNation, run it as a separate company, but actually own the dealers indirectly? Or would that be a yeah, huge the- violation of franchise law? Oh, absolutely. Many of the states prevent that. So a yeah. lot of the states would have a big problem if they came in and, and, and bought any of those dealer networks. Uh, th- things would have to change in a bunch of states before any of that could ever happen. Where is that going to now? We, we, you and I have talked a little bit about Scout and the Scout brand and how that's going to be uh, sold through a separate uh, dealer franchise. We're seeing the EVs and the EV startups start to market without infrastructure and without the franchise dealer system. Is the dealer system safe? Do you think it's going to change in the next 10 years? Have you ever heard a new digital trend and thought to yourself, okay, does this really matter? Asking the right questions helps you cut through the noise and get down to what matters most. I'm Jim Hertzfeld, host of the What If So What podcast, where we discover what's possible with digital and figure out how to make it real by asking what if, so what, and most importantly, now what? Subscribe and listen, and together we can turn big ideas into tangible actions so you can get shit done. Well, it comes down to service for the most part. That's that's where dealers shine, is if, if I have a problem and I know that my Ford can be serviced anywhere, I, there's a dealership within a few hundred yards of wherever I am in the country. But when you're uh, a Rivian, and something happens to your vehicle, something substantial happens to the vehicle, where do I get it serviced? Where's the local dealer for that one? And it becomes a big problem when when these these new brands become big enough that uh, I'm sitting in Montana and nobody in Montana knows how to fix a Rivian. Right. Well, that and is that going to be an issue for Tesla as they move forward? Right. Tesla's got Huge, huge sales juggernaut, right? They're selling lots of cars. They have return customers, but but ultimately, as they reach into deeper into like the more conventional, normal car shopper, are car shoppers going to be turned away by a company where they don't know where a dealership is? It, the prestige of owning a Tesla obscures that at the moment. Yeah, but uh, it, it's got to hit at some point where they have a, a massive recall on something physical, something that can't be downloaded into the vehicle. And who's going to fix all these cars? They have 100,000 vehicles that need a recall on a, a upper control arm or, or something physical on the vehicle. It, it could be a problem. But uh, so far, they haven't had that issue. I just got to think, with all the parts in a vehicle, something's going to happen. Well, and I thought I just saw like an a, a investigation for Tesla 
right now. And I can't I can't remember exactly what it was for, but it seemed to me like it was something physical, like something detaching that shouldn't the steering wheels and model Y steering wheels. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Something that she's detaching. That she's, yeah. <laughs> you kind of want a steering wheel when you're driving down a highway. I mean, I know autopilot is supposed to be great and all, but still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I believe it's only on the yoke steering wheels, but it's, it's on a handful of vehicles at the moment. But you know, if, if model three suddenly had a big recall that that could be tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of vehicles overnight. Interesting. So Tesla still doing okay without without dealers. Rivian doing okay without dealers. Do you think that Rivian maybe, which has a little bit less public love, um, is going to have to give in and start building infrastructure? They're going to have to build some sort of infrastructure. Uh, if you're driving a truck, you're going to beat it up a little bit more than you would a Model Three. So there's there's people going to go off roading on these things. They're going to get more physical with their vehicle. And you've got to expect something to break. Yeah. And uh, and me as a, a Rivian owner, I want to know that I I can get it fixed and get it back on the road as soon as possible. Sam, what do you make of the of the Tesla price cuts? It's competition. There's a lot of competition out there, and people are are, are moving more towards EVs, but not as much as there are EVs out there. There's just uh, uh, at the moment. Uh, a temporary glut of EVs mm -hmm. and uh, the buyers are just not shifting over in the masses that they everybody intended them to be. And and like we've talked about with Rivian and Lucid and all these other EV startups, more are coming. Uh, General Motors has a plethora of EVs coming. Ford has a bunch. Stellantis is yet to get in there, but they've got a bunch in, in the pipeline. We're going to have a lot of EVs over the next five years. The buyers have to step up and, and move in there or else we're going to see more price cuts. You know, talking about a glut of EVs, it's interesting to me that we've got big makers making big launches and they're not actually producing a lot of vehicles. And and the vehicles that come to mind are, are the uh, uh, the BZ4X, right, the Toyota, the mm -hmm. Solterra, which is its companion vehicle. The Lexus RX, we just heard, maybe generally. I'm sorry, RZ, thank you. They're mm -hmm. not going to be building that in volume this year. And now the, mm -hmm. um, uh, what's the other vehicle? The, the Nissan Aria. They're going to be limiting production for the first year, too. So we've got big launches and very small production. Is, is this just manufacturers being very careful with what they're doing? Somewhat, but more that uh, they're all imported vehicles. These are all vehicles that cannot fall under the IRA incentives. So uh -huh. we're not going to see uh, people lining up for these vehicles so they can get their $7,500 off. Uh, that these will be very price sensitive vehicles or they'll just be for a, a particular niche of people who want to be the first owner in Aria, the first owner in RZ. Uh, it, it's it's already limiting the market as, as soon as you come out of the gate. OK, yeah. So unless you're brand loyal, or you really want those particular vehicles. You're going to be looking for something where you can get all the money. Yeah, I can I can see a Subaru buyer wanting uh, an electric Subaru. And an, uh, a Lexus buyer do, doing the same thing, mm -hmm. but they're going to need to want to step up and pay a little bit more than they would if they were buying uh, a Tesla or a Ford or a Chevy. And I guess Hyundai is leading the charge and trying to negotiate about trying to get those incentives to apply to its vehicles, too. Is there any news on that front? Uh, I, I don't have any answers to you yet, but uh, they, they definitely are. They're trying to work their, their free trade agreement with uh, South Korea so that they could bring those vehicles in and, and get them accepted for the with the IRA. The Hyundai has the benefit of already putting down a plan to build EVs in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So the, the encouragement that we've already uh, uh, 
put down the money in the plant to build them locally. We just need the time to build the plant. Uh, and, and they've also just started producing Genesis here. So we have electric Genesis built in North America. Yeah, um, the, the, the plans I, I just, are in place. Yeah, I just drove the, the electrified GV70 last week. And um, it's built in Alabama on the same line. I, I think it's like Santa Fe and um, uh, several other Hyundai vehicles. And this is the first Genesis um, that's being built in the United States. And I, I think it's the first Genesis period that's being built in the United yes. States. And um, what I thought was really funny about this, and um, I think I think this information is out there. If not, I'm just going to have to mea culpa and apologize. <laughs> but they're, they're selling it in 15 states. And oh. I thought it was kind of funny that um, Alabama, even though that's where it's built, is not one of the states that it is going to be sold in. That makes it's, sense. It's probably though. one of the states that doesn't get an incentive, <laughs> a local incentive. Yeah, yeah. But it will be sold in 15 states, and then um, stay tuned for more is what they kept saying. All right, Jill, I don't know if you know this or not, but the uh, uh, the G80 electrified, yeah. is that sold 50 states? Um, I think it is not. I think okay. it was only sold in two states originally, but I think that it is going to be rolled out to the same 15 states that um, – I think the idea is to sell the GV60, GV70, and the GV or the G80, the, all the three of their electric vehicles in the 15 states. I would not be surprised to learn that Genesis is not in all 50 states. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. I think that's yeah, a pretty tight yeah, network. That I don't know. It, it might be lo- limited from the, some of the more rural states, like I said, like Montana or something, something like that, where the, there's. Uh, the population is more sparsely spread out of, in the in the state. Um, having driven the GV80, the G80, and G90 electrified, those are spectacular vehicles, and yeah. they they absolutely fit the their core demographic of those vehicles. Yeah, they're really really good vehicles. Sam, we're running out of time here. Uh, first, are you sticking around for the quiz? Oh, sure. That'd Excellent. be great. Excellent. Great. You get to beat me again. Jill is on a hot streak. She's won four or five in a row. I'm not keeping track anymore, but Jill has won four. When, when Jill starts winning, I stop keeping track. That's weird. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Sam, remind us uh, about Auto Forecast Solutions and how to follow you guys. Oh, definitely follow us on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, especially on LinkedIn, where we do a lot of uh, uh, videos. And uh, and check out our YouTube channel, which is uh, Auto Forecast. And uh, we put up videos every week. All right, sounds good. All right, Sam, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. And we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I am Tom Appel. Thanks for joining us today, Jill. Yes. Jill Seminello. Yes. I, I, I get the sense that you give short shrift to LinkedIn. I do not. You're on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Do you mention it? I do. Oh, maybe I just zone out when you start talking social media. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> you, you zone out whenever I start talking, period, I think. What? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh. I know. But um, but uh, yes, no, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, and I am on uh, Facebook, Instagram post. I'm now on post. I'm on all of those good things. And you can find me under my name, Jill Simonello. 
uh, or I use the hashtag car du jour. So, so when the federal I'll government work. shuts down LinkedIn, I'm sorry, uh, uh, TikTok, <laughs> are you going to go back yes. to Foursquare? Uh, no, no. Then I will post everything to YouTube Shorts, which I, I oh. am also there, and I have started putting stuff and Reels. Now, you want to talk about confusing video situations? So, <laughs> do I? Yeah, you do. Oh. Like TikTok. So, like in the world of vertical <laughs> vertical video, uh-huh. um, you totally want to talk about all this because you really care. Is that what um, it's called, vertical video? Video. So TikTok pioneered vertical video yeah. instead of the horizontal. Like yeah. I am. I didn't know it was called vertical YouTube. video. Vertical. I call it vertical video. So okay. um, then, so like TikTok was there, and it was a minute, and then they went up to three minutes. Now you can do ten minutes on TikTok. Oh. I don't know why anybody would want to listen to somebody for ten minutes on no, TikTok. No but idea. You can do it. No idea. And you have Instagram, which only allows you to do a minute and a half. And then you have YouTube, which only allows you to do a minute. So if you're doing something longer for TikTok, you have to shorten it for Instagram and for YouTube. And it's just really annoying. Wow. Life is hell. It's, it's bad. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there for you. It's annoying. That, that is my, my, um, 30 second or my minute and 30 second rant on vertical video. How's All right. That? Well, Glad we could share that with the public. Um, well, I think they want to know that. It's inquiring minds want to know. So when TikTok goes away, I'm going to have to go down to a minute 30. Did you tell us how story. to follow you? Jill Simonello and Cardishore. There we go. Yeah. My, my, videos are, my videos are horizontal and they're 90 seconds. So there you go. You could, if you switched it to vertical, you could put that on um, Instagram. I'm just going to put that out there for you. Thank you for putting you. that out there. It's quiz yeah. time, boys and girls. I hope you're ready. <laughs> Today's topic. Another great transition. Uh, this is quiz number 157. Okay. Jill, uh, Jill and Sam, I hope you're ready. Today's topic is Subaru. Oh, okay. Excellent. All yeah. right. Uh, Sam, you go so first. Excellent. You're our guest okay. today, Sam. You go first. You have to give me a quick answer. Uh, how many total models does Subaru sell in the U.S.? Seven, eight, or nine? Seven, eight, or nine. Uh, Let's go with uh, seven. All right, Jill, this question goes to you. Seven, eight, or nine? I'll go with eight. The answer is nine. Ooh! Crosstrek, Forester, Outback, Ascent, Solterra, Impreza, Legacy, BRZ, and WRX. I always forget about Ascent. Uh, Everyone does. I I dropped the BRZ. Alrighty. That's the first one I think of. (laughs) No one is on the board. Jill, you have no points. All right. Well, Jill, which of the following? <laughs> which of the following is not a legacy trim level? Are you ready? Okay. okay. Limited Sport Touring or Touring XT. One of those is fake. The legacy, of course, Subaru's largely ignored midsize sedan. Actually, a very nice car. So you said Limited Sport Touring Touring, touring, touring XT. XT. One of those is fake. That's gonna, four on the list, right? Yep. I'm going to say Touring XT. Sam, this question goes to you. One of these is fake, limited, sport, touring, or touring XT? You're, it's limited and sport are separate. Yes. You're saying that yes. directly. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with sport. You're both wrong. The fake is touring. They skip right to touring <laughs> XT. All right. So we both have uh, zero. This we is, are on a roll. The Sam. Totally. Um, there's no way you know this, Sam. Sam, who imported the... <laughs> There's okay, no way you know this. Sam, who imported the first Subaru to the U.S.? Was it Bob Lutz, Malcolm Bricklin, Abraham Lincoln, or Billy Crystal? Oh, I would love to say Billy Crystal, but <laughs> uh, uh, um, give me your list again. Bob Lutz, Malcolm Bricklin, Abraham Lincoln, or Billy Crystal? 
Malcolm Bricklin. Okay. Joe, this question goes to you. Um, Sam may not know what he's talking about here. Bob Lutz, uh, Malcolm I, I, Bricklin. I usually don't. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln or Billy Crystal? Uh, Bob Lutz strikes me as more of a sports car kind of guy. Uh-huh. So I have to go with Malcolm Bricklin as well. Because yep. it's not going to be Abe. <clears throat> It is Malcolm Bricklin, the first car, uh, Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, the 1966 Subaru 360, which Malcolm Bricklin was able to easily import because it weighed less than a thousand pounds and thus It was technically a motorcycle. Yes. (laughs) There we go. All right. The score is tied 1-1. Didn't a lot of people die in that car? I don't know how many deaths, but but Consumer Reports hated it. Yeah. It was a weird looking little blob. All right. I thought it was cool. Oh, it's very cool, but uh, under, <laughs> there was also the 1970, and I don't remember this car at all, the 1970 FF1 Star, which I've the never FF, seen. The FF1 was the first real Subaru in the U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of conventional looking. I've never seen one before. All right, the score is 1-1. This is anyone's game. Jill, this question goes to you. Which of this, which was the second best-selling Subaru in 2022? Are you ready? Yep. Crosstrek, Outback, Forester, or Solterra? Not Solterra. Okay, not Solterra. Um, you're saying second best. Second best. I feel like the top three were were the Outback, Forester, and Crosstrek. So which order were they in? Um, I'm going to... I feel like... Oh, dang it. And Crosstrek, the, at the Crosstrek presentation, I feel like they went over this too. Mm, Should have paid attention. I, I, I took notes. I just haven't seen my notes, and I've been in 20 different states since then. Um, let me think. Okay, I'm going to... Um, Forrester. You're going with Forrester? Sam, Crosstrek, Outback, or Forrester? Second best-selling Subaru in 2022. I know the Forrester and the Outback have been the top-selling ones back and forth, and I want to say that the Crosstrek was number two last year. Uh, Outback was number two last year. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, Sam, you said Crosstrek? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we remain tied one to one. It was Crosscheck one hundred and fifty-five thousand, Outback one forty-seven, Forrester one hundred and fourteen thousand, and Solterra nine hundred forty-nine. So you're saying Crosstrek was first? Crosstrek was first. Outback yes. was second. Okay. Second. Well done, Crosstrek. Yeah. There you go. Yep. It's tied one to one. We go to question. Oh, question five. This is getting mm. tight. Uh, Sam. Which of the following is not a 2023 Subaru Solterra color option? Cosmic white, galactic black, or zinc? You're presuming that all the colors have arrived in this country? <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. Let me let me just qualify, and thank you for pointing this out. This is per the Subaru website, and at some point, Uh-oh. these should be available. Okay, okay. Uh, give me the colors again, please. Cosmic white, galactic black, zinc. One of those is fake. Oh, let, oh, let's go with zinc. All right. Joel, this question goes to you. Galactic white. I'm sorry, cosmic white, galactic black, zinc. All right. So I'm going to say I was going to say zinc too, but I do not wish to end in a tie. Um, so well, there is I, a bonus question. I know, but like, you know, the, the neither of us are going to get that because you're going to talk about something <laughs> that's on a, a menu in like Tibet. Um so I'm going to go with the, the black, the cosmic black or galactic black. Galactic black. Uh, it yeah. was zinc. Sam wins today two to one. 
Yeah. So I, for the record, I was going to say zinc, but I didn't want to end in his head. I tried to steer you into saying it. I wanted. I know you did. I, I badly did. wanted the bonus question to matter. Oh. <laughs> but it didn't. Uh, Jill, as you know, the, the bonus question always uh, related to the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. Jill, you're a big eater of salad. This should be easy for you. Uh, per Wikipedia, which of the following is not a subspecies of the lovable radish? Are you ready? Okay. The oilseed radish, the daikon radish, the green radish, or the Hemingway radish. One of those is fake. Per Wikipedia. I know daikon radish is real. Uh-huh. I know that. So okay. what were the other three again? Oilseed, green, and Hemingway. Green radish does not sound appetizing. But I wouldn't be surprised if it were real. Um, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to say oilseed is not real. All right, Sam, this question goes to you. One of these radishes is not real. Oilseed, daikon, green, or Hemingway? Oh, I want to go with green just to say that's raw, but I'm going to go with Hemingway. Sam, you're correct. The the Hemingway is a fake. And Jill, to your point, the green radish looks really, really weird. Yeah, (laughs) I I was going to say, that cannot be appetizing. All right, Jill, as you know, I'm bad at managing the clock, but we have a few minutes left. Tell us what's going on at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk or <laughs> anywhere else or anywhere else your your many fingers have reached out to in the past two weeks. Um, well, since I have been on the road um, pretty much 100% the last couple of weeks, I've got a new review posted. Uh, so I've got reviews of the RZ posted. I've got reviews of the new uh, Crosstrek posted. Tomorrow, I will be posting review of the Genesis GV70, the electrified version. Then we've got um, the, uh, ooh, I drove the uh, Dodge um, Hornet. Uh-huh. So that is lifting on Wednesday. And then the Genesis, uh, or not Genesis, the Hummer um, SUV EV um, will be, I, I'll have an article coming up there on Thursday. So lots of reviews coming. So be sure to tune into that. And uh, the both written reviews and YouTube reviews. So check us out both on the web it, and on YouTube. Two things real quick. One, remind mm-hmm. us what the RZ is. The RZ is the electric uh, Lexus. Okay. Yeah. And that's basically the Lexus version of the BZ4X. Which is the yes. Toyota? But I mean, no, it's, it's mechanically the same. The same. Plat- it's it's built on the same platform, but yeah. they did a really good job of I I, I think of differentiating it from the BZ. No, I just realized something. Now that you're on the road, you've been on the road almost no stop for like two weeks or whatever here, and and, and you're getting some stuff written while you're on the road, mm-hmm. which means that you are one of those people, the the one percent that can actually work on a plane because you can fold your laptop table down in front of you. Uh, um, actually. <laughs> I fold, I I sit cross-legged in the seat and fold down the laptop tray. I am probably the 0.05% of the people that can do that that are not children. Wow. Everyone else on the plane hates you. And then you recline just for fun, right? No, I don't recline. I actually don't (laughs) recline because I don't need to. And um, so I was on a plane this morning on my way to Arizona, and I'm sitting in the aisle seat or in, in the aisle seat, and I'm typing. And the woman in the middle is like literally like she's my size and I don't know how she expanded to be three times the size that she was, but she like kept bumping me with her elbow and I'm literally like not taking up any space at all. And it's just like, lady, come on. She kept looking at me and she, like I was the problem. I'm like, you are in my space. Wow. And <laughs> did you guys have it out? Like how did that we end? Did not have it out. I just kind of looked I I look I gave her my Italian like, you know, side eye and she she eventually stopped, but like initially she kept bumping me, bumping me, bumping me. And I was just like, 
Really? Really? But yeah, I did finish the story. It seems like that story came close to me reading about it in my Yahoo news feed. Because usually, (laughs) right, usually violence on a plane ends up a story. Yeah, no. There was no violence on a plane. I just, like I said, I gave her my little Italian side eye. Um, Jill, ask me what I wrote about recently. What did you write about recently, Tom? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, Oh, you're so welcome. You know what I just drove and wrote about and that I liked way more than I expected to like, despite the price? That is the BMW X7 M60i. Ooh, I've not driven that yet. A couple of things about this. First of all, anything that begins with M now is sort of (laughs) like the one engine up. It used to be that it was a very specific vehicle, but now Mm -hmm. it's sort of like the next powertrain up. But this lineup is interesting, right? There's the M40i, that's a six-cylinder, mm-hmm. the M60i, which is a turbocharged V8, and now there's the Alpina, which is Ooh. the BX7, and it's like 160 grand, but I, I would love to drive one, but it just seems a little silly. But 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 the X7 is, is BMW's large crossover. I mm-hmm. believe it's its only three-row crossover, because I think the third row is coming out of the X5, which is the that, mid-size that crossover. That makes sense. But yeah. this vehicle, we just talked about the Cadillac Escalade V. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is like that... Like on some sort of pain medication. It it it's it's just a little bit more <laughs> is that subtle. A good thing or better? <laughs> is a, that a good thing or a bad thing? I, it sounds med- like a bad thing. It sounds pejorative, okay. but it's wonderful. It's it's actually okay. an incredibly impressive vehicle. It is roomy. It doesn't have the combination of third seat space and storage space that the Cadillac does. It's smaller, okay. but it's a really good size. It is unbelievably refined. Uh, very quick, and and I think it came to one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. But but. A lot of money, not for the common man, but if you're looking for a vehicle that is both incredibly functional, doesn't call a lot of attention to itself, and is still rewarding to drive, this is your vehicle. I, I loved it. And you know what the BMW X7 has that the Cadillac Escalade does not? What's that? Heated third row seats. Uh-huh. All right, yeah, I didn't mention that. No, you didn't, but I like. I think the BMW X7 and then the Hyundai Palisade are like the two three-row SUVs that I know of that have heated rear seats. Oh. Third row seats. Third hey, row seats. Guess what we did, and I didn't mess up. Um, are you sure? Because I, <laughs> I think we still have four minutes. But we don't go all the way to the top. Okay, then two minutes. Yeah, all right. You're not I helping think we need to ask Sam. Time. I think we need to ask Sam what he's got going on. Sam, how much time do we have left? <laughs> uh, uh, we, have, we have hours, I think. No. I, my, my clock is broken. <laughs> They'll just lock this place up and just leave me here talking to an empty microphone. Well, you know, that's how is right. that different from normal days? I but don't know. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Remind <laughs> us, how do we find Auto Forecast Solutions? Look for Auto Forecast Solutions on YouTube, on uh, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And, uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. Sounds good. All right. Thanks to Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. Thanks to Jill and producer Randy and the good folks here at Talk Zone Radio Network. We are live every week at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3, p- uh, 3 p.m. Chicago Time, and 7 p.m. in Equatorial Guinea. Miss the show? Download the podcast and be sure to like, share, and review. It's a big help. And we'll talk more about cars when, Jill? Next week. Oh, you won't, though. No, I won't. You yeah, will. Yeah. I, in two weeks from now, we will talk about cars. We always mess again. something and up right at the end. I will talk about cars yeah. more next week. Remember to check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. The Car Stuff Podcast is produced by J-Turn Media. To advertise on the show, please drop us a line at CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com. 